It is so cool to be here with you this morning. Turn to someone around you right now and just tell them, man, I'm glad you're here today. Well, I am so glad you're here today, and I'm excited to be here with you. Would we start, as we start off today, let's open up with a word of prayer, if you join me. Father God, oh, it's so great to celebrate today. Thank you so much for the gift of Easter. Thank you for what Easter means to us and the fact that it's not just a holiday, it's a holy day where you have made us holy by purchasing us with the blood of your Son. And God, today I pray that that is exactly what it is for us today, a holy day, a holy moment where we worship you, where we seek to look more and more like you. We walk out of this place with a closer relationship with you today. In your precious and holy name we pray, amen. Well, one Easter week, the pastor decided to do some congregational visits, and he started going around to different houses, and all of a sudden, he got to one family's house and was kind of talking with them, and the parents stepped out of the room for a moment, and all of a sudden, little Johnny comes in. Little Johnny is sitting there talking to him. The pastor thinks, you know, I'm going to see how well our children's church is teaching these kids. So he says, hey, little Johnny, can you tell me the story of Easter? So little Johnny thinks for a second and goes, yeah, I, I think I got it. He says, well... There was this guy named Jesus. Pastor says, yep, good job, good job. Says, okay, um, he, he was God's son. He came down to earth, yep, lived a perfect life. Oh, man, he's doing great. Uh, then there were some guys that killed him. He got hung on a cross, yep, yep. And he got put in a tomb for three days. The pastor's like, man, he's got this. He goes, yeah. And then on the third day, the, the stone was rolled away. Jesus came to the edge of the tomb. The pastor's like, man, he's got this right on. He goes, yeah. And then... If he sees his shadow, we have six more weeks of winter. <laughs> so close. <laughs> See, in the next 24 hours, over a billion people are going to celebrate Easter. Like, around a sixth of the world's population is going to celebrate this holiday we call Easter. It blows my mind that something that happened 2,000 years ago can still have a huge impact today. But what I sometimes fear is that like little Johnny in our story, sometimes we know most of the idea of Easter, but there's some parts of it we don't quite get. Or there's some parts of it that haven't quite changed our life or some things that maybe we take for granted. See, when it comes to the Bible, there's a lot of different opinions on it. For me, this is the word of God. But for a lot of people, there's different folks that will come from different backgrounds, and there's different scholars that will say different things. But one of the really cool things that I love is you, if you look at contextual or textual criticism, there, and you talk with different people from different backgrounds, one of the things that I love is that there's three things we can agree on. For, for those that are kind of unbiased scholars that look at the historical record, there's three things we can pretty much agree on, no matter whether or not they think the Bible is true or not. The three things are this. One is that Jesus was a real historical figure. That's, there, there's so, the historical record is so incredibly clear, it's really hard to say he wasn't a real person. The second thing is that he was killed by the Roman government. He was crucified. And whatever you believe about the Bible, the, the third thing that we can agree on, no matter what background a scholar comes from, is that Jesus' disciples saw something that sure seemed to make them believe that Jesus had risen from the dead. To the point where every single one of them was willing to die because of it. It was something that changed their lives entirely, and I would contend changed the entire world. 
Something happened on Easter that changed everything. It changed everything for me and it changed everything for you. And we know what that is as Christians, that Jesus was raised from the dead, taking our sin and completely wiping it away. See, the thing about Easter is that it was never meant to simply be a holiday. It was meant to be a holy day. A day that changes everything. It's a day that we can become holy because of our relationship with Jesus. And so today I just want to have a real simple message about what is the keys to Easter. The keys to making Easter a holiday, or excuse me, a holy day and not just a holiday. And so the first thing is this. We're going to get real basic today. The first key to Easter is understanding this. That on Easter, Jesus cleaned my slate. Turn to someone and say, Jesus cleaned my slate. See, I don't know about you, but, but probably unlike a lot of you, I've made some really, really stupid decisions in my life. Anybody there? Anybody make some dumb decisions, make some mistakes? All right, for the rest of you, does anybody have a lying problem? We should have everybody now, right? <laughs> See, the thing is, I've made some really, really dumb decisions in my life. But I finally found someone in a world that constantly loves to hold things over our head and continually remind us of the ways we've completely and totally blown it. I found someone who wipes them away. See, the thing I often hear from people, I hear statements like, man, God can never forgive me. Or I've done too many things wrong, or I'm too messed up, or I've always been this way. And I hear these things from people, and sometimes I see them lived out in people. If they won't say it, but really what they believe is that they're just not good enough. God can never forgive them. They've messed up too many times. I just got too much dirt in my life. I don't know if you ever felt like that. Like you just can't get going in life because you can't get over the things in your past. But I love what it says in Colossians chapter 2. That we were dead because of our sins, because of our sinful nature, was not yet cut away. And then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. He canceled the record. I I got this little magnetic drawing board. It's a really cool thing. It's more for my kids' age, but... I really like it because I can, I can draw all kinds of really, really cool stuff on it, right? I can, I can draw kind of a little something here. I'm going to show you. I mean, this is going to be great, by the way. This is, you know, check us out. So I'm going to do this right here. Yeah. So I got my family portrait here. You guys like it? Isn't that beautiful? I, I'll be doing them after service too. For all, I know you all got dressed up, so I can do a family portrait for all of you guys. No problem. But I like this because, you know, even when I make some mistakes, like my wife probably shouldn't be that tall. We're not, we're not the same height. That's not quite right. What's really cool about it is I just kind of go like this. It's gone. And you know, and the same thing in my life. See, I don't know about you, but I've, I've made some, some really big sins in my life. I mean, I've done some, some bad stuff. I mean, I've had an issue with my anger. Right? I've had an issue with lust. I've had an issue with pornography in my life. I've had an issue with the way that I've, I've treated people. Like I've had moments where I've just used people instead of seeing them as God's creation. I've had problems where I've made things about myself. I've, I've committed idolatry in my life, putting things in my life above God. I've got a pretty good list. My, my slate's full. I don't know about yours. But the story of Easter is this, that God took a look at that and went, 
it is finished. It's done. It's gone. See, Jesus was nailed with our sin so that we can stop nailing ourselves with that same sin. In Hebrews 8.12, he says, I will forgive their wickedness and I will never again remember their sins. Can I get a praise God for that one? I will never again remember their sins. He wiped away all of our sins so that we can walk out of here today literally knowing that every single thing that we've done wrong is completely gone. That's some really great news. But sometimes I think there's kind of a problem with it. I mean, it's great news, but there's a problem with its application because I think a lot of people get forgiveness, but they really don't get freedom. A lot of people get forgiveness, but I see a lot of Christians that don't have a lot of freedom. See, the thing is, God loves you right where you're at. Do you know that? God loves you exactly where you're at. But what I love about God is something I say all the time is that God loves you right where you're at, but he loves you too much to leave you there. God loves you exactly where you're at, but he loves you too much to leave you there. It says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. We are new creations in Christ Jesus. But one of the problems I've found is this, that in our life, We all have a past. And one of the things is, no matter what we read in the Bible, it's like we we go into the real world, sort of, and our past is always true. I mean, I don't know if you noticed that, but your past is always true. Even if you're a new creation in Christ Jesus, there's still someone out there that's like, oh yeah, I know what you did in your past. The fact is, your past is always true, and you can't outrun it. And one of the issues with our past is that it's either going to be our greatest testimony or Satan's biggest foothold. See, you're either going to, you're either going to have an amazing testimony on Friday night. Aaron shared her testimony. I love just hearing another testimony of God changing a life. It was just so awesome as we celebrate and worship together on good Friday. I love hearing people's testimonies because it took her the past and it's like, here's what God did with it. But for a lot of people, it's Satan's biggest foothold in their life because either he keeps trying to get them to run back to that past because they haven't completely gotten over it. So he keeps trying to bring up these old things, these old sins, these old idols in their life. Or the second thing is this, that Satan just constantly comes in and goes, hey, remember what you did? Remember who you were? How could God ever love you? All these people in church, man, you're over here raising your hands and praising God. If they knew, if they knew who you really were, they wouldn't even want you here. Thing is, that's a lie. See, the fact is, our past can either pull us backwards or propel us forward. It just depends on whether or not we let God do it. See, Jesus didn't save us simply from the consequences of our sin. He saved us from the power of it, too. He didn't save us just from the consequences of our sin, but from the power of it as well. It says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Unfortunately, a lot of people get freedom, but they don't get the purification. They get forgiveness, but they don't get cleansed. It's kind of like if you found this nice little drawing board that I had a moment ago with all my sins on it. And you found it hiding in my house and you pulled it out and said, hey, what's this? And I grabbed it from you. He said, don't look at that. That has all my sins on it. That's everything I've ever done wrong. It's all my secrets. And he said, but it's 
blank. No, no, don't look at it. Don't look at it. Sometimes I think God feels the same way about us. We got all these things we keep bringing up, but God, I'm this, I'm that. I've done these things, and God's like, you know, looking at my record, let me me just double check here, but all I see is the blood of Jesus. Because the fact is, when Jesus comes into our life and we accept him as our Lord and Savior, every single sin, every single thing we've ever messed up is nailed to that cross, and the blood of Jesus cancels out everything. Sometimes, though, we know that, but we don't, and we have trouble living that. It's always so sad when people's past try to pull them back over and over and over again. And what I love is there's some moments in the scripture that just really stand out to me. And there's, there's one specifically. Like, I don't know if you ever read the Gospels and had a moment where you read about something that Jesus did or something he said, and you're just like, wait, what? Wait, what did he just say? What did he just do? There, there's a moment in John chapter 4. Jesus is going into the land of Samaria, which is a bit of a conflicting territory with the Jews. They have a lot of similarities, but they don't like each other, like a lot of people I know today. And so they go through, and Jesus stops at this well. You may remember the story. Jesus stops at this well and meets a Samaritan woman. There's a lot of things that are interesting. First of all, talking to a Samaritan, talking to a woman. I mean, there's so many things in this story that are so amazing. The fact that, that Jesus is showing in this moment that his gospel, the, the, the good news, the living water, is not just for a select people, but it's for every race, every gender, every person. It's an amazing story. But then there's this moment where Jesus is sharing with her, and he's talking with her, and he's telling her about this living water, about the fact that you can have life and life eternal, that all your sins can be canceled away. He's giving her the good news. And then he stops and he asks her kind of a, I don't know, kind of a personal question. He says, go get your husband. The woman stops for a moment. She says, I don't have a husband. Jesus responds and says, well, that's true. In fact, you've had five husbands, and the woman, the person that you're with right now is not your husband. And the thing is, sometimes we've read this scripture, and sometimes I think we see this as like Jesus is calling her on the carpet. Like, listen, I know everything you've done. And in some ways, I mean, that's still a great reading of it, because Jesus is saying, listen, I know everything, so bring it to me. But sometimes we see this woman, when we read it from our perspective in our day, in our culture, in our our world, in our societal structure for the way that women, uh, the rights that women have today, sometimes we read that and we think of this woman as kind of like the town floozy, going from man to man to man. When in fact a better reading of this, looking at the context of the day, is that this woman was a woman who had been used, abused, and thrown away by guy after guy after guy. And there, there had to be a piece of her that was just in the back of her mind going, you're not good enough. If this man's really the Messiah, why would he be talking to you? Because you weren't good enough for any of them. Why would you be good enough for him? And so Jesus steps in and he touches the most painful part of her life and brings it to the surface. Because I think what Jesus knew was that here in a little bit, she was about to go back and tell everyone about him. It says many people were saved because this woman. And it says that the good news that she was sharing was not just that Jesus was the Messiah. She goes, he told me everything I've ever done. Like she was excited about it because it was a healing moment because Jesus was bringing the most painful thing in her life and saying, look, bring it to me. And so in this moment, 
Jesus has to go there in order to bring her healing. Jesus had to go into that moment, the most painful part of her life, because she's about to go home and be hit with all this shame in her life. There's another moment in Scripture where Jesus is sitting with Peter, and he says to Peter, Peter, do you love me? And it's funny because Jesus and Peter haven't discussed the whole betraying him three times thing. And then Jesus comes and goes, hey, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Almost as if in that moment, like Jesus saying, I know what you did. I know what you did. I know what you did. Because over and over we see Jesus has to go there with people in order to bring them healing. And the same is true for us. Sometimes God has to go there in our life and bring out that thing that we don't really want to talk about. See, because Christ doesn't want us living in shame. We're called to freedom. The Bible says it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. But so many Christians live in bondage to sin or in bondage to shame or in bondage to what other people think or what everyone else is saying when God wants to give freedom into our life. There's a story of Harry Houdini, the great musician, and magician, and escape artist. He might have been a musician. You don't know. The great magician and escape artist, Harry Houdini, had this thing he would do where he would go from city to city to city and he'd go to the local jailer and he'd have them lock him in a cell and he would escape from it. And he did this in city after city to a point where cities were starting to compete to try to be better. Like, well, you can do that in Chicago, but you're not going to do that here in New York. And over and over again, he would go and he would escape. It was absolutely incredible until one day, There was one jailer who closed the door and decided, you know what, I'm going to do something a little tricky. He didn't lock the door. He left the door completely unlocked, left, and came back at the appointed time, and Houdini was still in the cell. Because he had given up, because he had tried over and over and over again to get this door to unlock, but it just wouldn't unlock because it was never locked. And I think the same is true for a lot of people I know who are living in this cell with a door that they're desperately trying to get unlocked. All the time not actually knowing that Jesus has already unlocked that door. The door was never locked. And I know so many people who are in bondage to things in their past or have shame and guilt that they're carrying with them and they have this cell that they're staying in when Jesus says, listen, I've already paid for that on the cross. Come out. Come out of your bondage. Come out of your addiction. Come out of your shame. Come to me and I will give you living water. I will give you life and life to the full. That's the story of Easter. The first thing that Jesus does is he cleans our slate and wipes it clean and allows us to have a new life in him. But the second thing that Jesus does is he secures our future. On the cross, Jesus secured my future. See, we live in a world where one of the most popular marketing tactics that I see over and over and over again is fear. You ever notice that? Like, fear's a really big marketing tactic. Like, one place that I, I find it quite a bit is, like, on the news. Like, I feel like so many news programs, the way they try to get you to watch it is, like, you need to watch this because otherwise you're going to die. At 5 o'clock, we got the new thing that's going to kill you. 
You know, like for me, I struggled when, when COVID came out because I was really sarcastic when it first came out because I was like, you know how many times y'all have told me in the last five years I'm going to die? Y'all told me swine flu was going to kill me. Y'all told me Ebola was going to kill me. Like there's a whole list of things. And I was like, you, you, you told me this over and over and over again. Or you look at the news, there's all these things, there's always some big thing that's coming out. It's like, oh yeah, it's coming for you. And it's like, oh my goodness. And so many times there's, there's even like products they sell you that are just all about, man, you need this. Because man, there's something out there that's going to hurt you. The fact is we live in a, in a generation where there is tons and tons and tons of fear. People are afraid of losing their jobs. They're afraid of their marriages ending. They're afraid of children getting illnesses or hurt. There's so many things to be afraid of in our world. But the most common fear is the fear of death, which actually makes a lot of sense because the fact is we are all born with a terminal illness called life. The fact is we have a finite life and eventually that life is going to end. fact is the death rate in America is somewhere around 100% last time I checked. The thing is, we're all going to die, but the Bible says in Romans 6, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So I think about that, the fact that we're all going to die at some point. Like so one person told me, why wouldn't you prepare for the one thing you know for sure is going to happen in your life? Which is what brings us to Easter. 1 Thessalonians 5.10 says, Christ died for us, that whether we're dead or alive, when he returns, we can live with him forever. He died for us, wiped our slate clean in order that we might live with our future secured together with him. The fact is, the two most significant things in our life are our past and our future. And what I love is that we serve a God that has secured our future and said, listen, I can give you life and life to the full here on earth, but then eternally I can give you more than you could ever think or imagine. Well, how do we get that? It all comes back to the the most simple question in the Bible that gets brought up in different forms over and over again. Choose this day whom you will serve. The Bible is pretty simple. It comes down to, do you want to do things your way or you want to do things according to Yahweh? You want to do your own plan or you want to do what God wants you to do? That's ultimately what the Bible comes down to over and over and over again. We have to make that choice. The thing is, a lot of people, I find, they try to make that choice, but they never really let God change them on the inside. They never really let him do something in their heart. And they end up trying to change everything else on the outside to look good. But nothing after it changes inside of them. It's kind of like the moment when I, my, my dad got me mm, Michael Jordan basketball shoes. These things were sick. I was going to be like Mike. Y'all ever seen that movie, Like Mike? Kid finds a pair of Michael Jordan's basketball shoes, you know, and ends up being able to play like him. I thought that was going to happen to me. I was so excited. And I still sucked. I just had cool shoes. Because the fact is, real change in your life doesn't happen by what goes on on the outside, right? It happens with what's on the inside. That's what Paul writes in Galatians, that it doesn't matter 
whether we've been circumcised or not. What's he talking about? He's talking about the things that people were trying to do to make themselves right by God by by doing things on the outside. It doesn't matter what's going on on the outside. What counts is whether we've been transformed into a new creation. Earlier I said that today was not just a holiday, but it could be a holy day for us. So how do we make today a holy day for us? Well, it starts with this. See, it starts with understanding what Jesus has done for us. And maybe a way of of flipping it in a moment is thinking of it this way. See, making today a holy day is is understanding, flipping the word a little bit, understanding that we are wholly forgiven, that we're wholly secure in Christ, that we're wholly living for Jesus. And asking ourselves, does he have everything in our life? The Bible says in John 17, 3, that this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. So today, I want to close us out by just asking a question. Are you living a holy life? With W-H-O-L-E, are you living a life that's holy for Jesus? Does God have everything in your life? Have you ever started a relationship with him? Because if you haven't, I would love to make today a holy day in your life. I'd love for you to pray with me here in a moment. But for each of us as we go through our day, man, I hope that we live our lives with worship. Live our lives just worshiping God and living for him in everything that we do because he has done so, so much for us. Happy Easter, church. Let's pray. God, we are just so grateful for you and how you're working in this place, God. And we're just so grateful for the gift of Easter. And God, we just want to ask that if there's anyone in this place today who's never started a relationship with you, who's never made you Lord of their life, God, I pray that right now is the day, that right now they would join me in praying this prayer, saying, Father, we... Thank you for the gift of your son. We believe that he came down, died, was crucified, buried, and rose from the grave, taking care of every sin in our life. So God, we confess that we're sinners, that we need you, and we want to give you everything and make you Lord of our life. God, would you take us, take our hearts and replace it with yours, Father. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're going to do. And God, for every person in this place, God, I pray that you would continue to work in them. You continue to draw them closer and closer and closer to you. And that today as we walk out of this place, we would walk out of it truly seeing today as a holy day. That we would have a better sense through your Holy Spirit of how amazing, incredible, and deep and wide your love is, Father. Thank you so much for the gift of Easter. Thank you so much for not just talking about how much you love us, but sending your Son down to die on a cross for us. You are so awesome, amazing, incredible, and you are worthy of all worship and honor and glory and praise, God. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Well, church, we're going to continue to worship. We're also going to have our team up here uh, to pray with you. If We can pray for you in any area, but we love you so much. Let's continue to worship together.